Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Strangers in Jerusalem podcast and YouTube channel where we explore the Gospels and the Jesus traditions within their Jewish context. We know from the last video that these texts were written at a certain, in a certain place, in a certain generation, and we are going to explore the, the different factors, the phenomenon, and the politics of that generation to help us put these Gospels within their broader context. In this particular video, we are going to look at the first major factor of how these Gospels were written and what influenced them. So follow me, let's go to Jerusalem. are perhaps two major factors. There's probably some others. You could break these two major factors down into sub-factors, but they're basically, they're, for our purposes, there are two major factors that influenced how the Gospels were written. The first one is Jewish-Roman relations and how those that relationship between Jews and Rome led them to a war in the late 60s that ended up in the destruction of the temple. So we'll talk about that issue and how that influenced the Gospels. And I always tell my students that the reason why at the beginning of the semester we look at the Messiah, all the Messiah expectations, and and then also what are the Gospels and what influenced the Gospels, basically all the first episodes in this YouTube channel. The reason why I do that in the semester is because if they can have that laid out for them and have that in mind, then when we dive into the text and study individual stories and traditions about Jesus, we can place those into their messianic or political context. So that's it's important that way. All right, all right, that's what I'm talking about! So the, with this first factor, the Jewish-Roman war and Jewish-Roman relations, we'll walk through and give you just a brief feel for how, uh, how this developed throughout the first century, leading up to the generation in which the Gospels were written. So in the year 19, in 19 CE, so Jesus would have been in his early 20s, in that year, Jews were expelled from the city of Rome by Tiberius Caesar. This was a political move and that they were all expelled. You can go read about the nuances of that issue, but they were expelled. The same thing happened in the year 49 CE. Jews were again thrown out by Claudius Caesar. So already within the first half of the first century, we see some problems brewing. Okay, we backtrack a little bit. In, in the 30s, Pilate uses funds from the temple treasury to pay for an aqueduct into Jerusalem, to bring water into Jerusalem. When a protest ensued, Pilate's soldiers threatened to stab members of the crowd, these, these crowd, these crowd people, with daggers. So Pilate threatened them and then dispersed the crowd. In the late 40s or early 50s, so this is maybe a decade later, and during Passover, a Roman soldier exposed himself to a Jewish crowd. In fact, Josephus has two different accounts of this. And it's, you can kind of get this image of a Roman soldier in his early 20s. Maybe the frontal lobe is not fully developed. And, he, and Josephus, in one account, says that he exposed his backside. So he mooned the crowd. The hundreds of thousands of Jews on the Temple Mount during Passover, he mooned the crowd. And on the other account, it says he exposed his privy members to the Jewish crowd in this sacred time of their holy festival. What? When he did that, a protest ensued, a riot broke out, and then soldiers were brought in and 20,000 Jews were killed. 
At least this is according to Josephus. I don't know if those numbers are inflated, but it's a real blow to Jewish-Roman relations. In the 50s CE, also, Roman soldiers killed 6,000 Jews for following a man who claimed to be Messiah. So this guy goes on the Temple Mount. He's a, an unnamed Egyptian Jewish prophet, and he says that on my command, when we go down in, to the to the city, which which is with uh, in view of the Mount of Olives, you can see the city. When I when I when on my command, we're going to go down, and the walls of Jerusalem are going to fall down, just like Joshua. You know, this is the this is the context of this guy's activities. When the Romans found out about it, they rushed to the Mount of Olives and killed 600 Jews. Uh, but this guy escaped. In the 60s, in 66, the Roman governor, Florus, let his soldiers loose on protesters. According to Josephus, 3,600 Jews were slaughtered. This is an interesting case because the governor, Florus, was up in the northwest part of what Israel, of Israel today, north, northwest part of the country, in Caesarea. This is a port city uh, up in that region, and this is a port city, so there was a, a lot of people stationed up there, including the gov Roman governor. In that city, Greek youth, and Josephus tells about this, Greek youth sacrificed an unclean bird in the, at, the, at the entrance of the synagogue. This is just one instance among many where the Jewish and Greek and Latin populations were at each other's throats. And Jews were upset because Florus did nothing about it. When the situation got bad enough, Florus left to Jerusalem. And by the time he gets to Jerusalem, Jews in Jerusalem had already heard about the problems in Caesarea. They protested, and amidst that protest, Florus was Governor Florus was also mad because he said that they owed more taxes, and he wanted to pull that money out of the temple treasury. So there's sort of two issues going on here that they were protesting the governor Florus, and the result is that 3,600 Jews were slaughtered. The result of all this was uh, the Jewish-Roman War that spread all over the country, where Jews and Romans were fighting. And this war lasted four years. And during this war, Rome had taken control of Judean and Galilean countrysides. They razed Jerusalem. They burned the temple to the ground. Uh, many thousands of people, both Jews and Romans, were killed. According to Jews, Roman authorities were oppressive thugs. And according to Roman authorities, Jews were uncivilized traitors. So you can see the, the problem that sort of escalated throughout the first century leading up to the destruction of the temple. This Roman-Jewish tension in the latter half of the first century CE significantly influenced how the authors of the Gospels wrote their narratives about Jesus, and we'll talk about these issues as we go along. There's that issue, and then we'll get in a little bit of the second factor, which is intra-Jewish conflict. So we have Jewish-Roman relations. We also have intra-Jewish conflict. I said I was going to discuss this in the next video, and we'll continue that discussion, but I want to talk about a few things here. Uh, because the next video would be too long. So the first issue, Jewish-Roman relations. The second factor that influenced the Gospels is intra-Jewish conflict, which means that there are Jewish people, different types of Jews, fighting with each other. And in this case, there were Jewish followers of Jesus and another other subsets of Jews that were, fight, that, that were fighting. Professor James Dunn, he's a, an emeritus, emeritus professor of New Testament at the University of Durham, explained it this way, and I'll put this quote up here on the screen, and we'll walk through this carefully to see how, this, how he lays out this, this argument, this theory. 
Here's what he says. The complexity of John's treatment of the Jews, we see the Jews all throughout John's gospel, the complexity of John's treatment of the Jews is best explained by the historical situation confronting the author of John. There is a large-scale consensus that John was writing at around the end of the first century during the period after the destruction of the temple when the rabbis slash Pharisees began the lengthy process of rebuilding the nation and they did this around the Torah, and of defending Judaism more carefully in the face of other claimants to the heritage of Second Temple Judaism, including Christianity. Okay, still follow me? In these circumstances, it is very likely that John's usage of the Jews, meaning the Jewish authorities, not all Jews everywhere, but the Jewish authorities, this refers to a local Jewish leadership who identified with the objectives of the rabbis. But it is also likely that John's usage reflects the claim beginning to be made at that time by the rabbis to be the only legitimate heirs to pre-70 Judaism, to be, in fact, the Jews. At the same time, however, there were other ethnic Jews who must have been caught in the middle, the heirs of a much more diverse forms of late Second Temple Judaism, caught between the competing claims of the rabbis and others, and including the believers in Okay, several elements in the Gospel of John, John might support this theory. So if we take Professor Dunn's theory and many other scholars subscribe to this, if we take certain elements in the Gospel of John, we can see how this theory is, is displayed in the Gospel. So one example is that we find encounters between in, in the Gospel of John between the disciples of Moses and the disciples of Jesus. There's one case where Jesus heals a blind man. And this blind man was reviled by some Jews for being Jesus' disciples, if you remember the story. And they say, you're a disciple of Jesus, not a disciple of Moses, like themselves, like the Jews. This is John 9, 28. So that's kind of interesting that you have people saying, oh, you're disciples of Jesus and not disciples of Moses, meaning you're not a Jew. Elsewhere, Jesus reproved his Jewish opponents. He chastised them and when he said, quote, you do not have the love of God in you, and you have set your hope upon Moses but you should believe in me. So here in John 5, this is John 5, 41 through 46, this entire dialogue, Jesus is setting himself up as an opponent or as, an, as another option in contradistinction to Moses. He says, you're following Moses, but you should follow me. In the next episode, the author of John seems to downplay Moses again. And, and it says in John chapter 6, then Jesus said to them, verily, truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. There seems to be some identity contest in these passages that does not fit any early first century setting in relation to Jesus's movement. In these passages, we see Jesus and his disciples presented in contradistinction to Moses and his disciples, who are, who are portrayed as Jews, rather than Jesus and Moses portrayed as two important members of the same team. In the early first century, Jesus and his followers were likely not seen as outsiders to Judaism. So these passages are kind of strange, where Jesus is setting himself up, at least according to the, to the author of John, as a different leader, a different option for, Jude for Jews and, and for Moses. So, so the material, some of that material is confusing in the Gospel of John. 
This rhetoric does fit, however, within a late first century setting when Jewish Christianity was becoming increasingly Gentile in its population and in its proselyting focus. So if Dr. Dunn is right, that there's this, uh, and if a lot of scholars who subscribe to this are right, that there's these competing factors after the temple is destroyed and when Judaism needs to be reinvented and the, the, the Jewish identity needs to be refocused after the destruction of the temple, there's all these different Jewish groups trying to define Judaism. And within the struggle, this is when the Gospel of John, some of these elements, this is when this makes sense, where Jesus is saying, you're, you're following Moses, but you should follow me, okay? Here's another example. John refers to your law. The author of John refers to, quote, your law, as if he's an outsider to, to Judaism. The author of John. This is John 8, 17, John 10, 34. Here's one specific example in John 9, 22. Quote, the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confesses Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. In John 12, says, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Also in John 16, I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They, Jesus is saying this, they, the Jews, will put you out of the synagogue. They'll kick you out of the synagogue. Or in other words, they'll kick you out of Judaism, of the Jewish system. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so, they are offering worship to God. So this is very strong rhetoric that pits Jesus and his disciples against Jews and that they'll throw you out of the synagogue. It seems strange that Jesus would, would use this language as a synagogue attending first century Jew and his disciples, we know that they attend synagogues. The Gospel of Matthew is a similar text that seems, when we read it, it seems to be responding to, uh, to conflicts in the late first century between Jewish Christians and other groups of Jews. We find that same dynamic. What this does is that it shows that in the previous episode, we looked at the Gospels were written in, during this generation, and they were intensely focused on showing that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, in addition to that, these texts were written after the destruction of the temple, after Jews and Romans fought with each other and that whole situation. These gospels were also written at a time when there were competing uh, Judaisms in this age when Judaism is being redefined. And we see in the text some examples where the gospel writers are pitting Jesus up against Jews. It, this wouldn't make sense in the early first century when Jesus even himself says, I have come to, to talk to, to speak to Jews. I've come to teach Jews. He goes to synagogue. He goes to the temple. Even Paul, after Jesus' death, Paul continues to go to the temple and sacrifice. So these are Jews in every sense of the word. And so these passages seem to more reflect a period of time after Christianity had, be, had been seen as non-Jewish and more Gentile in focus. And so we have to understand it within that scenario. So in the next episode, we'll continue this discussion and I'll show you more in the text of how this is all laid out. And I'll expound on the other factor that influenced the Gospels. So please be sure to check that video out. Also other videos in the YouTube channel. Also check out my recent book, A Stranger in Jerusalem, Seeing Jesus as a Jew. You'll get many details in that book than what's in this YouTube channel. So check out that book. That was... Awesome! <laughs>